0: So firstly, I mean, how did the idea for Cloudflare come about? What led to its inception? So um, there were
1: three of us that started Cloudflare. Myself, uh, Michelle Zatlin and Lee Holloway. And it was started with the idea that the top 10,000 websites that are online have a lot of solutions to make sure that their site is fast, and make sure that their site is safe but the other 250 million websites that are out there really never had a very good solution and so we wanted to build something that made the internet faster and protected websites from bad guys and we wanted to make it easy and affordable for literally anyone with a website and and that was the original mission of Cloudflare and and we're really proud that uh, that mission has resonated and we've grown as much as we
0: have over the last uh, two years so sum up very briefly, um, to someone who's perhaps non-technical, how does Cloudflare work? So so Cloudflare makes the internet faster and protects websites uh,
1: from attackers and bad guys. And previous solutions had required you to install hardware or software, or change code on your site. And what we did that was a little bit different is, we exist inside the network itself. So you can think about it that uh... if if the network is a series of tubes that are all connecting various websites together we make sure that the traffic or that flows through those tubes flows through our network we run data centers in fourteen different locations all around the world and traffic passes through those facilities And when it does, we can make sure that uh, any of that traffic isn't some sort of an attacker or threat, and then we can also compress the traffic and do a lot of things in order to make it significantly faster. And so on average, we'll stop a wide range of attacks ranging from simple things like spam all the way up to real threats like denial of service attacks, and we'll also make sure that an average website is twice as fast anywhere someone's visiting it around the world.
0: So, just go into a bit more depth about how Cloudflare actually speeds up website. I mean, uh, websites. Uh, how uh, realistic is the, is the difference between a site not using Cloudflare and a site using Cloudflare?
1: So, we do a lot of different things in order to speed up sites, and on average, we'll make a site twice as fast uh, for it to load. It's fast enough that you can feel the difference. Um, There are four major things that we do. The first, which is um, probably the easiest to understand, is that we'll take parts of the website that are static, that don't change. So imagine the logo on a web page, or maybe an image, which doesn't get updated very often, and we'll detect that that's a static part of the site, and we'll move that content closer to the person actually visiting the site. Um, The speed of light is very, very fast, but it still takes almost half a second for a photon of light to travel from Uh, Europe to San Francisco, and so if we can make sure that your your images are actually closer to your actual visitors, then that increases the performance of the uh, loading of the site and makes sure that there's less load on the actual web server. We also do things like uh, significant compression, and if you can make a file half as big, it's as good as making the line twice as fast. Um, We decrease the overall load on a web server. And the last thing that we do is we'll actually do in-page tuning for whatever device is behind it. So you can imagine if somebody comes to your site and they're on an iPhone, we deliver a slightly different version of the page, optimized to render for that device uh, so it won't change the look and feel of the page, but it'll actually make it significantly faster. All of these things add up to, on average, doubling the performance of any website that's behind our network.
0: From a security perspective, how much stronger does Cloudflare get on a, a weekly or even daily basis? So, um, it, it,
1: one of the key things that was a uh, mission of Cloudflare was to make sure that every time uh, one part of the attack, one part of the site was attacked, or one one customer of ours was attacked, that the knowledge about that attack would spread to all of the other other sites. Um, one of our customers wrote in the other day, and he said um, cl- the tagline for Cloudflare should be, "If you mess with one bean, you mess with the whole burrito." And I kind of liked. Uh, I thought that was funny, but that. The the system is constantly learning, so literally every second uh, at each data center, new rules are being propagated based on the traffic that is coming through that. And Cloudflare sees a ton of traffic. We see more traffic through our network than Amazon, Wikipedia, Twitter, Zynga, AOL, Bing, and Apple combined. And what we can do with all of that information is make intelligent choices about whether someone coming to a site is a threat or whether they're a good guy. And if they're a good guy, we want to make sure that they get there as fast as possible. Possible, and if they're a threat, we want to stop them. So every single day, the system gets significantly smarter and is learning about new attacks, and that's why it's it's powerful. that the, the system has so many different sites that are currently using it.
0: Okay, so you mentioned um, that how much traffic you get. Um, Your kind is the fastest growing startup in history, using certain metrics. Um, how did you manage to scale uh, so efficiently, and what were the biggest challenges? Well, you know, we, we had a marketing plan
1: and we had ideas of having sales forces and things and the, the challenge has been that 1,500 new websites sign up for Cloudflare every single day. And so building out ahead of that growth has been a significant uh, challenge for us. We have a great team of engineers that have worked extremely hard in order to make sure that we've got the resources necessary in order to build that out and we've we've had to learn a lot uh, from from you know very technical uh, systems and how you how you scale those all the way to you know challenges like how do you get a server through German customs and so all of that is going back into the product and allowing us to stay ahead of the growth but it's it's
0: it's definitely a a challenge to to do that. Cloudflare um, is is such a popular service Um, some criticisms online and I'm not sure how justified they are and whether they come from a technical background but some people are kind of saying that you're sharing effectively all of these resources with all of the other sites um, that you're acting as a proxy for it's a shared pool of resources uh, and that this can be very bad what do you make of people who say say that
1: well, philosophically one of, the, one of the challenges that we've always had with, um, with the security industry is that information tends to get siloed within an organization. So if you imagine uh, if, if Google is attacked and Yahoo calls up and says, hey, can you share some information about that attack so that we can protect ourselves? That information doesn't get shared from one organization to another. So when we started Cloudflare, what we said was, let's find a way that we can actually share information across a, a bunch of sites. So we'll never disclose, you know, this particular site was under attack, but we will use the information about that in order to protect, uh, in order to protect other sites. That obviously is a real threat to some of the security industry, which has traditionally found that selling their services at an extremely high price to a small number of clients is a good business. We've turned that on our head and said, let's try and make this available to anyone online because we don't believe that you should have to have a lot of money in order to have a fast and safe internet site.
0: It's very interesting about um, what you you raise um, with regard to disrupting the security industry. I certainly pick up on that later. Um, So back to centralization. Um, clearly, centralization and security is a good thing. On a technical basis, uh, what happens, for instance, if your DNS systems fail? Is there a single point of failure? Uh, and do you think your customers have to have a, a high level of trust in your service? And, and what kind of assurances can you make to customers who have these concerns? Sure, I mean, t- two questions there. Um, you know, we work hard to
1: build the trust of our customers and you, know, you, you need to trust any vendor uh, that you're working with. One thing that is, is is helpful in policing that trust is that it only takes five minutes to sign up for Cloudflare but if you're ever unhappy it's only two minutes to switch back off the system and so that's how we track that rate and we know when we're doing well when our churn rates of people leaving fall and and we have lower churn rates than uh, mobile phone companies that have to you know lock you in with contracts. We never have contracts or or anything like that, so we're pretty happy about that. In terms of a single point of failure, we've actually architected the system in order to avoid that to the extent possible. So we, uh, we currently have 14 data centers around the world, and we're continuously adding more. And we've designed the system so that if any of those, any server in any one of those um, uh, data centers has a problem, or even the entire data center itself goes offline, the traffic just automatically flows to the next closest data center. We know that we're not perfect, uh, no, no service is, but we've tried to make sure that in the Architecture of the system, it's designed to expect that there are going to be problems and then be resilient around those issues. And in the entire time that we've since we've been public for the last 18 months, we have only had one significant period of out, outage, and that was for about a five minute uh, time period. And our team corrected it very quickly and, and got
0: everyone back online. So, one final criticism that I kind of picked up on is um, the issue of false positives and blocking users from sites. And this is an issue that um, unfortunately I've experienced firsthand. I've seen some of our developers have experienced this issue. And I think perhaps it's one of the more pressing issues. How confident are you that le- legitimate traffic is, is not blocked? And, and what measures, um, what assurances can you make that this traffic isn't blocked? Because obviously for an e-commerce environment or for any real, um, any online business, uh, blocking potential customers and, and scaring them perhaps with a, a quite a intimidating page could be detrimental to their business this is
1: you know we we believe that this is one of the most important things for any security company is to make sure that you're letting the good guys in and not letting the bad guys in and the challenge is that the bad guys are often using the resources of the good guys so the business model of a virus writer is to write a virus to infect a lot of computers and then use those infected computers that are part of what's called a botnet in order to launch attacks against other sites. And unfortunately, it's sometimes hard to tell what is a virus uh, that's launching the attack versus when it's a, a legitimate human which is coming in. And so what we've done is we've allowed site owners, the publishers that use our network, in order to choose the level of security that they want. So if they're highly concerned with security, they can turn the security level up. The trade-off then is that you're more likely to have false positives. And if you're less concerned about security, then you can turn that security level down, in which case there are almost zero false positives through that. So we believe that the right thing to do is to allow that choice to be the security or excuse me, to be the publishers allow them to make a choice about what level of security they they want, and then help inform them about the trade-offs in either of those cases. But when we, whenever we do challenge someone uh, when they're trying to come to the site, we try to give them inform- an opportunity first to see what the reason it was that they were challenged, like your computer is infected with a virus or or something like that. Give them the tools that they need to protect themselves and then give them the opportunity to prove that they are actually a good guy, a human being, by filling in the squiggly letters in a box, which is known as a captcha, or doing something like that. That information all gets fed back into the system and so every time one of those captchas is passed, it it increases the reputation, It, it makes the reputation more good for that particular visitor and ensures that they're never going to see that type of a challenge again. Um, But that's something that we spend a lot of time trying to refine and again, what we believe is important is that publishers should be able to set their security level based on what their tolerance is for risk and and their tolerance is for false positives.
0: Uh, Cloudflare sounds like a complete no-brainer to any website in the world. I mean, is there any situation that you you would recommend not using it or is there any website uh, or service online that shouldn't use it? Uh, and if there isn't, um, could you potentially scale to every website in the world? Our, you know, it,
1: it, it sounds ridiculous, but our goal is to build a service that literally powers the internet. And, uh, and we're on track toward that goal. Um, we're adding more than 1,500 new websites a day, and, uh, and that, that rate of growth is only accelerating. Um, the sites that don't make sense for Cloudflare Um, usually are sites that are doing something particular uh, that doesn't work very nicely with our system so uh, a site that is um, streaming content directly from from the site itself so if you're doing video streaming Uh, or something like that, then then our system isn't set up to do that. That's actually much more of a job for a traditional CDN or content delivery network. And so we often will refer customers to Akamai or Limelight or some of the traditional CDN players if they're doing that. But the number of of sites that are actually streaming video is relatively small. So if you have a site and you embed a YouTube video or you embed another service in it, Cloudflare will continue to work just fine. Um, YouTube, on the other hand, would not be a particularly good customer for us today. Um, but there aren't many folks that way but our goal is to continue to learn and get smarter with each new site which joins the network and as a result of that we hope that we can build a service that will make things like denial of service attacks uh, a thing of the past i mean it will study in history books um, because together we can pool resources in order to make sure that every site online is fast and safe
0: and, and this leads on to um, the the more business side uh, um uh, what you raised this morning um big ideas are easier than little ones um and and it's easy to inspire people to work around you if you have a big idea uh, what do you think stops people having these big bold ideas is it the fear or is it is it something else um
1: there's a guy named paul graham who uh who started an organization called y combinator who recently wrote an essay about really big ideas that that vcs would be excited to fund but just reading them will scare away entrepreneurs and if you if you think about it some of the big revolutionary um technology ideas that have happened it there's no way that when the founders started it, they could have all the resources or know everything that they needed to in order to in order to actually build what they thought when we started cloudflare we honestly had no idea what we were getting into and had we really known um, it probably would have scared us quite a bit, because we've had to learn about everything from uh, the way that IP addresses are allocated in Latin America to you know ha- how to deal with with um, law enforcement agencies when they when they when they contact you. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that you had to do in order to do this. And we've learned that at every step along the way. So I think that oftentimes, when entrepreneurs think about starting businesses, they look around and they see what resources they have immediately at hand. As opposed, and as, and think of that as the finish line, as opposed to thinking that as a starting point from which they can jump off and continue to assemble resources to build to a much bigger point. Um, I, I think that if you, it, Assembling resources for a small for a small project may seem easier at first, but in the end, that project ends up being harder to attract developers for to really scale it to attract customers for. And so, focusing on big ideas um, paradoxically becomes easier than focusing on small ones.
0: And, and so, being a visionary, a revolutionary, um, as such, and having a big idea. Um, uh, when hiring, even if there um, is a gap in the experience between two hires, um, you have a hire that comes to you and really, really want, like you're saying, there's people sleeping in the corridor waiting to work yeah. for you and they may not have as much experience as someone you're going actively out to recruit for. Now, which one is the better hire? Is it the one that's really passionate about your product but has, perhaps has less experience or is it the one um, you know, where you just go out and you find a, a random hire as such?
1: Yeah, I you know there's there's a time and a place for both, but we but we definitely prefer the former to the latter. Um, most of our customers at Cloudflare, or most excuse me, most of our employees at, at Cloudflare were customers before they were employees and one of the great things about having a service which is you know easy for anyone with a website to afford and use means that we have a lot of users that that become passionate about the product and then approach us and explain why they would be then good employees for us Um, but you know we we look all over the place for for employees and we've had we've had some employees that we've we've actively recruited Um, we've recruited people from google and and Yahoo and Facebook and, and a number of places that, uh, that um, have come to Cloudflare in order to work. And, and, in, and in some cases it's, it's been people who've, who've come directly to us. What we think about recruiting more than anything is that we look for people who are good at working on teams and who we want to spend a lot of time with. Um, so we're much more focused on the personality of the candidate than necessarily a particular skill set. Because if you're a if you're a if you're a, an, a nice guy or or gal who who is curious and likes to learn and wants to solve hard challenges, then then that you know mm-hmm. that's a, that's going to be a much more successful hire over time. And it's pretty cool to work at Cloudflare. There are very few places on earth that if you're an engineer you can push a line of code, and over the course of the next 24 hours, you'll affect over a hundred million people. And, uh, and that's, that's sort of the state that we're in right now, and again, I think that's why a lot of very talented, um, very, very interesting engineers are, are joining our
0: team. And another one of the um, kind of issues you raised, perhaps, was the say-no-often um, part of things when is a customer driven organization the right thing to do Uh, and when is it the wrong uh, thing to do and and how hard is it to resist that, that customer
1: so, so I'd say that we are, I mean, we, are, we listen to our customers carefully and, we're, and we pay attention to them. We just don't let them necessarily dictate our product development. And so when I said in the talk earlier today that, you know, it's important to say no, it's really hard when uh, a big Fortune 500 company comes to you and says, we'll pay you $20,000, $40,000 a month uh... if you'll just make the following changes and what we've found is that we put those change those change requests kind of on the board and we evaluate them not next to the fact that they're worth twenty thirty forty thousand dollars to us but next to is this something which is moving the product forward and usually um, if the changes really make sense then then we'll get they'll get made um, at some point and at that point we'll go back to those customers but what we don't want to do is end up having a few customers who dictate what it is that we're that we're working on. We want to be driven by the smart engineers that work for us and are designing a product to to scale to power the entire internet as opposed to having, you know, a ha- small handful of customers that are really dragging us
0: around and telling us what to do. And and finally in terms of the business side of things, Underprice and oversimplify was another one of of, of your um, kind of philosophies. Are you skeptical about the MVP philosophy and and, and, um, how do you kind of focus on on what's important?
1: So, you know, I think that that the ideas of minimum viable product, the MVP philosophy, are good. Um, but a lot of times um, people don't spend the time with their first products in order to get them in, in ship shape to really launch. And so what concerns me is that you, know, you only as a startup get a very short window of time and attention in order to actually get out and, and, and make a big splash. And and grow, we had at Cloudflare really kind of a uh, our our secret advantage was that we had a, a large community before we launched publicly that trusted us and was willing to let us experiment and really get the product right before we turned it on and launched it. And that's the best case. If you can quietly test behind the scenes before you reach out, then that makes a lot of sense. But as soon as you go live, the expectations of the quality of web services are so high today that you've got to get that right from the beginning. And so, you know, I think that it, the idea of minimal viable products is right, but when you're ready to really launch your startup, make sure that you really focus on viable in the minimum viable product sense. Get it out there, make sure it really solves a problem, and then, and then, you know, the way to keep that under, under control is to simplify the product down to its core essence and make sure that that core essence is as good as possible and that and if you do that, customers will really uh, respond.
0: I mean, the final um, issue I really wanted to raise uh, and discuss was the issues of morality and um, censorship. (laughs) So, in your experience, um, what kind of sites are generally subjected to more hacking attacks? You know, it really
1: ranges. Um, We saw, uh, for example, a a whole bunch of, of surrogate mother sites. Uh, come under attack by what appeared to be an organization in China that was um, opposing surrogate motherhood. Uh, we, The day before Valentine's Day, February 13th, we saw a number of uh, small business flower shops come under attack. A purely um, uh, financially motivated, essentially extortion scheme that said pay us $1,000 or we'll knock your site offline on the busiest day. So there's been a, we've w- witnessed in the last six months a 600% increase in denial of service attacks launched at a wide range of sites. So it's hard to point to any one particular type of site that's there, but philosophically, you know, the greatest thing, the I mean, the internet's one of the greatest inventions of, uh, of humankind. And what it stands for, the telos of the internet, is that anyone with an idea can make that idea available to a global audience. And something like a denial of service attack is really a form of censorship. It's one person with power using that power in order to knock offline an idea that they don't agree with or they don't support. And we think that what we're trying to do is make that impossible to allow the Internet to achieve its full potential where anyone regardless of how controversial the idea is is able to keep it online and so one of the somewhat ironic things that that happened fairly recently was we were getting we were getting attacked um, and, and, and and had complaints launched against us um, by an Iranian group that was protesting the fact that a pro-Israeli uh, website was, was on Cloudflare, and at exactly the same time, we also had attacks and had protests from a bunch of Israelis that were protesting the fact that a pro-Iranian group was on us. And so Cloudflare doesn't see our mission as a censor. We don't think that we know what the right thing for the internet is. We just believe that the internet is a tool to spread knowledge and let anyone have access, and we want to make sure that you don't have to have a lot of money, and you don't have to have a lot of technical skill in order to ensure that you have a site which is fast and will stay online even if you're attacked.
0: So as controversial and potentially immoral sites um, are generally subjected to more hacking attacks, is there a kind of moral dilemma in supporting um, organizations like Lulsec? Um Are there legal implications? Um, where do you draw the line? Since you're, I mean, essentially you're not hosting the services, however, are you perhaps aiding and abetting them? I mean, is this uh, almost a disaster waiting to happen? So the, you
1: know, so I teach law. I'm a recovering lawyer. And and so these are issues that, that, you know, I think about uh, quite a bit. Um, You're correct in saying that we're not the host of the site and you can't actually launch a hacking attack uh, through our our service. The most that you can do is publish information. And so, um, you know, again, our, we're a law-abiding organization, and if, a, if a, after due process, a court in a jurisdiction that we, that we operated in uh, told us that we you know, needed to stop providing service to some particular organization or another, we would probably follow that, that requirement because again, we're not hiding from the law and we're not, we're not designed to, to, to hide from the law. Um, but there are two things that are important. The first is, if that order ever came, and we talk, knock someone off of our service, that wouldn't take the content away. It would simply make it a little bit slower and make the content slightly more vulnerable to attacks. Um, so it's it's a bit of a fool's errand to uh, to come after us. The second thing is, you know, it's actually pretty amazing that we've been around for, for 18 months now publicly. We have had organizations uh, that ranged from Uh, hacking groups like lolsec all the way uh, over to organizations that that those hacking groups attacked and everything in between and never in that entire time has any law enforcement age officer ever asked us to remove content from our network and so while uh, you know i'm not under the illusion that that day may come at some point i think that that i've been pleasantly surprised how clued in law enforcement is to the fact that we aren't the host, that hacking can't be launched from our network, and instead, if they were to knock a service off of us, it doesn't make the content go away, it would just make it a
0: little bit slower to be published. And so how beneficial to your company, um, not just on a, on a technical basis, but on a business basis, um, is having hacking organizations or, or LulzSec, um, um using Cloudflare. Uh, what does this mean in real terms to both um, obviously your network and but mainly to your your company's reputation to the press it receives I mean did you rec- you received a lot of press as a result of the lol set. was this was this integral to you any part of your success you know I, I, I it's that's
1: a it's a hard question to answer because um, it's it's you know I don't have a time machine to go back and play it play it out the other way um, you know I, I, I think I mean, from a purely business perspective, um, an organization like that is very unlikely to upgrade to a pro account and pay us. So it's it's not, from a financial perspective, a, a particularly positive thing. Um, but what is very positive is the technical knowledge that we gain as a result of of. Uh, servicing sites that are under attack. So the Lowell Security site, for example, came under a fairly aggressive attack for the 23 days that they were on our, our service. And in that course of time, our system automatically generated over a million new rules. And those rules were then used to protect other sites that are that are on the system. And so the core value of Cloudflare is, is again that Every single site on the system makes the service smarter, and uh, that was true. That was true in in their case, in other cases, but it's also true with organizations that are on the other side of the spectrum, like uh, various U.S. government sites. Uh, that use Cloudflare and also uh, even, even governments in Turkey and Malaysia and Ghana and everywhere else in the world. But the Internal Revenue Service of Pakistan uh, uses, uses Cloudflare uh, in order to keep their site safe. So again, we don't, we don't discriminate based on content, uh, largely because that's just a slippery slope that doesn't make sense for us to, to be making a choice on. And we've been just very public about the fact that our goal is to power the Internet. And uh, there are a lot of things on the Internet that I find troubling, but I'm not sure that, that, I, uh, that anyone has elected me to a position where I should be deciding what can and cannot be published.
0: So the legal issues don't seem to be particularly pressing at this moment in time. But the political issues, um, I, I can see potential issues there. You, you're supporting U.S. government sites and Turkish site, uh, government sites. You're working closely with governments. Um, I mean, what do you make of, of cyber warfare? Governments playing against each other, and um, will you find yourself starting to get wrapped up in politics the closer and closer you get to working with with governments? I mean, and and, and I mean, I know this is far fetched, but it's do, do you see a time when you could? end up letting certain hacking attacks through because you're working with a range of the governments I mean I mean how close can you get to politics without actually getting involved in it
1: well so we've never actually talked to anyone in the in the US government they signed up for our service the same way that anyone else does which is that they went to the website filled out some information and, and 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 came in because if and if they called us up and said hey we'd like you to protect X, Y, or Z, you know, large site. Um, please fill out the following RFP uh, and come play golf with us. Our, our answer would be the one I said above, which was that you know that's just not that's just not our style, and and we we're trying to build a service that that is, is out there. So, I, I mean, I it's it, it's not it's not a problem that that we've had. I, I you know, our, our we I can't imagine any circumstance under which we would let any attack through regardless of who the client was um, and and frankly and for the most part we don't know who most of our clients are the only things that you need to sign up for Cloudflare is an email address a username and to make up a password and uh, and so it is um, and so so these these are these are bridges that we will cross when we come to them but I I doubt that
0: I doubt that we're gonna come to them so to summarize I mean what are the main, broad, long-game core values of, of Cloudflare, and and what's the future for Cloudflare? I mean, where do you envisage it in, in one year or five years? I, I mean, I know this is quite a hard question to answer, but do you see any competition coming from any direction? Um, you mentioned that you're disrupting the security industry. Do you think those industries are going to have to start innovating soon? I mean, where, and where do you see your main competition down the line in the future? So.
1: In order for the, the Internet to really survive and thrive, um, we believe two things have to happen. Um, the first is that it has to become uh, less expensive and easier for publishers to publish. And Cloudflare is one part of a, an ecosystem in order to do that. And so we, help, we hope to play an important part to help that part of the ecosystem thrive and ensure that, again, anyone who has a good idea can put it online and reach a global audience with that idea and not have to worry about either attacks or scaling or, or anything like that, that we will be able to handle that for them so that's our vision on that side at the same time we believe that it's important that any way that that publishers are making money online that we should be able to help them make more and an an easy way to think of this is that Amazon sees, for every tenth of a second they can shave off page load time, a one percent increase in revenue, and that's the start. But over time, we think that there are a lot of additional ways that we can actually help publishers earn more from their sites, and that's important in order to make sure that there are going to be there's going to be high quality publishing uh, on the internet, and so, you know. I could never, in our, in our wildest forecasts, we would have never thought that the last 18 months uh, would be like it has. It's been, it's been very, very successful. We have a, an amazing team. Um, we've, we've got to do everything from you know, go to Davos as, as technology pioneers to, to be invited to events like this in order to help tell the Cloudflare story and, uh, and that's, been, that's been fabulous. What the next 12 months, what the next five years brings, you know, I have no idea, but we're gonna continue to work towards our, our mission and our goal, which is to make the internet faster and protect websites from bad guys to eventually build a faster, safer, smarter internet uh, at Cloudflare can continue to be a real part of. So it's uh, it's an exciting time for us, and, and we're really we're really excited with what we're working on.
0: And I mean, on, on competitors, very briefly. I mean, um, do you see a time when you could license your system, or and do you think <coughs> that that license, if you were to license it, it would be attractive to those older kind of um, security companies that are going about their traditional ways? So we work with a number of other companies uh, in order to
1: act as channels for our service. Now, largely those are our hosting providers, um, and and so you know I, I think that that there may be opportunities to expand a channel program like that. But the real value of what we have is that a bunch of people working together behind one product can create a better internet for all of them, and uh, and so that. That makes it challenging for um, competitors just to have the data that we do on what threats are, um, and and so you know we'd be happy to work with just about anyone. But but right now I think we're we're definitely leading this part of the industry.